Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by the Raw Raw Spirit Team. Building a business can be overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. We teach small and medium-sized businesses strategies for building a profitable, successful, stress-free business and life. Because guess what? You are more than your business. Through one-on-one training, online courses, and monthly guest experts, the Spirit Team is built on the principle of building each other up in business and in spirit. Try it for 14 days for free. Just head to rawrawconsulting.com and check out the Raw Raw Spirit Team. Lauren Grace here and welcome to The Afterlight. My guest today is Pamela S. Alexander. Pamela, a PhD, is a passionate poet, an artist, a dream worker, and a personal spiritual growth advocate on a lifelong mission to expand people's consciousness and help them to reach greater heights. Currently, she leverages an embodied, compassionate approach to assist her clients in tapping into the infinite wisdom within their own dreamscapes to align with their soul's deepest longings. The intention of her dream work is to free the soul to live its true purpose, a life with meaning and passion. Whether it's a self-development course, poetry book, or fairy tale, she utilizes the power of words to instill a message of healing, love, and hope, and total life transformation. Pamela is joining me to talk about all things dreamy. Hi, Pamela. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I love your bio. It's, it's beautiful, and it, it made me feel kind of excited, I guess, like a childlike excitement when I read it. Well, that's cool because that's really how I feel. And you'll see that as we talk about dreams is yeah. ever since I first started working with them and, and started to understand them, I should say, I developed this passion for it because it's just, I've never, I shouldn't say never, but not very frequently do I come across anyone who really understands the full magnitude of dreams and dreaming yeah. and what they can do for you. It's, even reading in books and hearing other people talk about it, lots of times they kind of niche down and it's like for psychology, it's for self-development, it's for, you know, lucid dreaming. But um, for me, it's just, it's like an adventure. And so it it does have that feeling of like uncovering treasure and looking inside and discovering all kinds of really interesting things. So yeah, that's so cool. I love it. I, we have so much to discuss. I can't wait to get into it, but before we do, you know, kind of talk about, you know, dreaming, you know, whether or not dreams have significant meanings, you know, I know that you've talked about connecting with deceased loved ones in dreams. I really would like to know a little bit about sort of how your spiritual journey began, because I'm under the impression it happened when uh, you were around the age of 30. And I think you had a direct encounter with the void, which I'm not really sure I understand that terminology. So I would really like to hear that in your own words, if you wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't mind talking about that. Sure. Um, What ended up happening was uh, I woke up in the morning and um, I was 30 and I had pulled a muscle in my back in the night. And 
you know, it's one of those things like you don't realize how important certain muscles are for certain activities until they yeah. don't work. And then all of a sudden yeah. you realize how critical they are. Yeah. So this muscle that was pulled was the muscle that you use to push yourself up, to sit up. And so right. I struggled for, I don't know how long, trying to get myself out of bed. And at one point I called to, I was married at the time and I called my husband and I said, can you just get me a drink of water because I was feeling really thirsty and I thought well I'm going to go to the bathroom and as I walked to the bathroom I just started to feel really kind of funny inside and I looked in the mirror when I got into the bathroom and my face was white and I was oh. like oh this is weird I, I'm going to lay down on the floor and so what ended up happening was halfway to the floor I fainted but I fainted in the past and what happens when I have fainted in the past is you just don't remember anything. It's like oh. everything goes dark and then the lights come on and you don't remember anything in between. Oh. But this particular time I was conscious. And so some, the only way I could ever describe it was some part of my brain was unconscious and that part of the brain that was unconscious was Pam. So my identity ceased to exist in that moment. I ceased to exist. So there was a voice and the voice said, who am I? And I was like, I don't know. And the <laughs> yeah. voice said, where am I? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Because all I could see was black. There was like nothing there other than this voice. And so um, I began to hear at that point, my husband calling my name. So he walks into the bathroom. I'm lying on the floor. He said, your eyes are wide open and they're black. So oh. it's as though my body is registering. I'm in the dark. My pupils are dilated. But at that particular time, I'm unconscious and looking wow. into the darkness. And, and so he's confused. Like you're laying on the floor, your eyes are open, but you're like not responding. And I came out of it totally freaked out because I had ceased to exist. There was no Pam. There was no, I was in London at the time. There was no flat in London. There was nothing. It was just right. these, this voice asking the question and then some aspect of my being answering. So subsequently, and it took me years to kind of piece it together. I ended up, well, first of all, I went to the doctor and said, what's wrong with me? And they didn't know. And so <laughs> So, cause I just thought it was, a, I chalked it up to a physical experience of fainting. That's what I thought it was. I didn't realize it was a spiritual experience because right. I wasn't spiritual at all at the time. Looking back, I can see like my whole life shifted in that moment. And I went from being completely outer oriented. It clearly marked a shift to the inner world. And it was at that point that I began recording dreams. I began all this inner work and just like everything started doing yoga had body work. I mean, all kinds of things. So it was, it was kind of the universe redirecting me for sure. Yeah. And, and in that moment, um, the only way I could kind of put it together and I'm not sure that's what it was, was it felt like whatever you want to call it, God, the universe spirit, capital S spirit was asking the questions and my soul was answering and my ego was unconscious. Yes. It's so funny because I've done a lot of reading on these subjects and I'm, there's a woman, I 
maybe you know, I'm, her name is escaping me. I'm sorry for our listener at home. I'll figure it out and put it in the show notes. But basically she had a stroke and her ego, do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. I, I don't know her name, but it's stroke of insight. Name. Stroke of insight is the, uh, the video, you, okay. the Ted talk. Okay. Yeah. So then she, yeah, exactly. So she, her, basically her ego die or like went away and she was able to operate from this other perspective. And then Eckhart Tolle, who I talk about all the time on the show, he had the same, a similar experience where his ego died and then he was able to, you know, talk from or be basically his soul speaking to us as opposed to just the ego. And, you know, when you were talking that made me realize or made me think about, you know, the role of the observer. So for people who haven't heard about this, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I would assume that, you know, like if people are listening to the show, they're probably familiar with some of these terms that we're, that we're talking about. But, um, but essentially, you know, you know, you were being the observer of your own mind, right? Is that how you yeah. kind of look at it? Yeah. Yeah. Because we're kind of taught to sit behind, like in this, when you do spiritual development and you, learn all this stuff, you realize that, oh, your mind is a tool. You don't need to believe everything you think. You don't, you know, you, your mind is just like essentially to help you navigate the world. But if you can observe it, you can redirect it. And also you can learn to not identify with yourself, you know, as Pam or as Lauren, right? So yeah. that would have been a pretty huge shift for you to have if you hadn't had experience or even familiarized yourself with that kind of world before. I, I couldn't even imagine how that would have changed everything for you. Yeah. Yeah. You just disappeared in a subsequent awakening. It kind of, I thought a really interesting way of describing it was uh, to look at the ego as the story of me. And so from the time oh. we're born, we're conditioned to believe that this is who I am. I'm Pam. This is my body. These are my beliefs. This is my family. And I, I can see an, that that idea of this story is what kind of went away. The story, there was no story of Pam. It just, it, it didn't exist. It wasn't in a place in time. And so that I believe is what gets dropped. And so when you're living from the soul, you're not living from the story you're living from that kind of pure essence of yourself that incarnates into this world. I interviewed on one of my other episodes, um, Robert Schwartz, and he wrote the book, Your Soul's Gift and Your Soul's Plans. Have you read those books? No. Uh -uh. Okay, they're really, I would recommend it. But basically what he was talking about in one of his books, and I had a huge problem with this. <laughs> I brought it up on the show because he was talking about the fact that, you know, um, we have a, a soul's plan before we come here. So we have like these different, you know, challenges that we've, you know, set ourselves up for and, and whatnot. And he was talking about how we are this, a soul, right? And then our personality, I'm kind of, I'm not using his language. I'm trying to make it a little bit more simple, simplify, but, you know, basically the personality is almost like an arm of that soul. And then that's me, Lauren, the personality and then when you die, you that personality essentially dissolves because you are just your soul, right? And I remember thinking, what? And my ego did not like that at all because the whole time I think, well, you know, with all the spiritual work that I'm doing, um, that I keep thinking that, oh, well, life is eternal and <clears throat> we never die. 
You know what I mean? And then to hear that the, the personality or the ego, as I know it dies, I, I understood it to be true. And I had a hard time with it initially. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's because we play these roles. We take on these, you know, Oh, you know, you're Pamela, you're an artist, you got a PhD, you were married, blah, blah, blah. I'm Lauren. I'm running the podcast. But these are just the roles that we're playing. They're not who we are behind that. And it's such a, you know, you kind of understand that, you know, when you're having arguments with people or you're getting caught up in like titles and bullshit like that, that it's just none of it is, none of it matters. Hey, (laughs) so going off dreams right now, but it's a big subject. Any thoughts? Yeah. So one of the ways that I talk to clients and, and in courses that I teach is I talk about it in terms of, I believe that you have, there's two trajectories that when your soul is, is, has, before it incarnates, it looks at your parents' lineage, your mother and your father. And it says, these are the issues that both of those ancestral lines are going to bring into this particular moment or this particular physical body, this person. Right. So I believe that we know what the essence of our soul is and what it has the ability, what we believe it has the ability to resolve. Mm. So we, the strength of our soul. So those of us who had the stronger souls came in to do big work and to transform heavy ancestral lines and that our strength is what made us choose these difficult lifetimes. Right. And that we then, as we transform it, although the soul may leave and the personality stays behind in that time that we're able to transform the consciousness that we are here, it's going back through the, the lineage. It's going forward and you're changing the future trajectory of those two lines because you are the point of resolution. Yeah, it's when I read that book, there was a lot of messaging about how strong we are to be here and to have taken on these challenges and how we're the courageous, you know, and I don't know if I mean, in a way, my ego was like, oh, cool. But on the other flip side, I was like, yeah, but I don't want to do all this work, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. Cause, cause it, you know, I've said when I was like young, my mother believed in reincarnation and I was like, Oh, I'm not ever coming back. That's what I said. No way. No, no. This is my last go at this. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I said. And apparently a lot of us do. Like I knew from a young age, I was like, I am not coming back. No way. This is it for me. Last lifetime you know, message to the universe. Hey, you know, I got it. I'm not coming back. So (laughs) for sure, for sure. I'm wondered, I wondered like, did that turn the volume up? Should I not have said that? (laughs) I sprung it on him at 98 (laughs) instead of 13 when they were like, okay, give her everything now. (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny. But then you might've really been screwed and you might've been coming back because you need the, you know, although time's an illusion, you need the, um, you know, you need the time essentially to be able to to process and also to help create change and 
you know, serve other people. I mean, that's what it's about as well, yeah. right? Because when you understand this stuff and you can articulate it in ways that are accessible to people or give them tools like through dreaming, which we're going to get into, um, you know, you need time to do the work because those people also need time to figure out what the hell you're talking about and connect with their soul on that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, you know, um, I, the way I've often talked about it was like in the beginning, it's, it's much more difficult and much more traumatic to be doing the work. And as time goes by, although you, you tend to be taking on more and processing at much deeper levels, it doesn't, I always say the, the length, like when you're, when you first start out, it's like you're on the top of a mountain and then you crash into this deep valley and then to the top of a mountain and then a crash into a deep, but it just, as time goes on, it kind of gets, you know, the, the peaks and valleys kind of get smaller and smaller yeah. and it doesn't last as long and you kind of get better at navigating it and, and not so, and you don't have the drama as much as you do at the beginning. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you're right. That's actually such a beautiful way of putting that, Pamela. I love that. And I think that, you know, when you were saying that I was going, yeah, that I can see that from my own journey, how it was like really hard and then got a little bit easier and then hard again. And then, you know, um, but I think that a lot of the progress and I guess a lot of it becoming easier is because I'm more clear, at least for my own self on compassion, on self-love, on forgiveness and understanding that I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> and, you know, I think a lot, you know, years before it probably, I probably didn't have that compassion for my journey in the same way. Yeah. We probably reduce our resistance as time goes too. Yeah. Because right. initially it's, it's, it's so, everything is so unfamiliar and you don't know like, how is this going to work? I know when I first started processing emotion through the dreams, but I began working with it. I, I was afraid. I was like, you know, how deep is this anger? How big is this going to get? Yeah. And I found had to find a way to deal with clearing the anger in myself that was in a way that was safe. And I felt contained because I was doing it all by myself because yeah. I was using the dreams. And I was like, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Now I'm not afraid of it because I've done enough work with it. But in the beginning, I was like, you know, how deep is this grief? How long is it going to go on? I used to say, joke about it and say, man, I should have taken out stock in Kleenex before I started this journey because I can't even imagine <laughs> wow. how much Kleenex I've gone through. Right. Wow. Okay. So let's get into the subject of dreams because, you know, the episodes are only an hour and I actually could probably talk to you for days on this subject. So I really need to, let's redirect and then maybe, <laughs> maybe we can have another episode another time and we can talk about this, you know, other subjects because um, there's definitely a lot to go into and it's hard when you just scratch the surface. So Let's talk about dreaming because I guess when you were talking about dreaming just then, you were talking about essentially doing some healing in your dreams. So first of all, I guess we need to probably start a little bit at the beginning because not everybody remembers their dreams. So I'm just kind of wondering, has that always been something that you've been able to do? Remember your dreams? You know, I don't even know. Um, because what happened for me, again, was that spiritual experience happened. And then after that, I started writing down my dreams. And the only reason I did was because I was doing Julia Cameron's The Artist Way. Oh, yes. And, and she has those, the, you're supposed to write those three stream of consciousness pages every day. Morning pages, yeah. Yeah. I was living in London, and my husband was at work all day, and I wasn't working, and I had nothing to write. I was like, 
at a loss day after day. So finally, one day I remembered a dream and I started writing them down. And so then I began to get curious, like, what is this all about? What are, you know, I had some disturbing dreams like most of us do at the beginning, especially mm -hmm. where, you know, you know, uh, tidal waves and earthquakes and tornadoes and just, you know, crazy stuff and, you know, teeth falling out and all that. Yeah. So that was really for me. And I was writing them down only because of the morning pages because <laughs> otherwise right. I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of like one of those interesting, fateful things that starts. You think it's because you're just doing the morning pages, yeah. but you know, life probably had another plan for me. Yeah. And, and uh, before then, I remember one dream. That, that's all I remember from anything before that time is one dream. So right. I don't know if I was a dreamer or not. I don't remember. Right. I guess, you know, um, for me, I my dreams are the same. Like, I don't really remember them. I remember glimpses, but I never really, I do remember some significant dreams, I guess, about loved ones, which we can go into, you know, shortly here. But yeah, I've never really paid much attention, I guess. And I think most people don't because, you know, they seem chaotic, they don't make sense, or they could be overwhelming, and they can yeah. be like nightmares. And so, because our mind, we're conditioned to think logically and rationally. We wake up from the dream and it doesn't make sense. And, you know, you talk to people, you hear, I heard an interview with Natalie Portman, who I believe her degree is from Harvard in psychology. Yeah, it is. And they said, what do, what do dreams mean? And she said, nothing. And I was like, what? <laughs> what did you just say? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So that, I mean, that's like the prevailing, the prevailing sentiment in psychology. And when I was doing an undergraduate uh, degree, when I first started in counseling psychology, I asked every professor, I was like, what do dreams mean? What do dreams mean? What do they mean? What do they mean? Nobody could answer me until they had a one credit course on dreams. And that right. just like was the key because they are symbolic and symbolic. Now, see, this goes back to the stroke of insight woman because she said oh, yeah. that one side of her brain thinks differently than the other side of her brain and so the way i i think of it is the dream is addressing your soul it's not addressing your head and your mind and your intellect it's speaking to your soul because it wants to give information to your soul so you can shift out of the ego and into the soul Right. Okay. So, you know, what about dreams that, you know, just seem to be processing what we've thought about that day or, you know, like do all dreams have significant meaning or is it possible that some of them actually don't and that it's just our mind also processing stuff? Because if we we have two minds and it's Jill Bolte Taylor, by the way, I just, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if we have the soul mind and we have the ego mind, let's just say to keep it, you know, clear, isn't it possible that they're both doing the talking in a dream? Um, I never really thought about it that way. I just, I guess I see, because I see the, the ego as the story and the ideas that we get out of the story and we stop identifying with the story. Yeah. I see it as some aspect of you that I, and I don't know what this source is. I don't know what the dream source is. Is the dream source like 
that voice in my head that said, who am I and where am I? That's kind of the kind of source that I see making and creating your dreams every night and, or, and speaking to the soul. Right. And so what it's trying to do is loosen up, I think, the bonds of that ego in order to allow you to live from that place, which, you know, your, whatever you want to call it, your heart or your soul mm. or whatever. But when I first started working with dreams, I worked with every dream I had every single night. And I could take a fragment, two words, and turn it into like a major revelation. So what have, the way that I explain it is that your dreams will take the content from the day and symbolize it in order to create the dream. Right. So if you're like, people will say, I don't dream about anything because my dreams are all about work. And I say, well, you're working a lot and your dreams are using your work as the framework to create the dream. But it's probably not about your job. I mean, occasionally it might be, but there's probably mm. something deeper going on there. And so it, that's why it often seems like, well, I'm just dreaming about this because again, that's the literal mind. Right. It's say it's expl it's giving you the story, the lesson, the healing or whatever in a context you'd understand. Because if all of a sudden I start dreaming about living in a totally different country that I've never lived in before, I won't understand what's happening. Whereas if it paints me the picture of, so for me, I have a lot of, if I have nightmares, which I, I rarely do, but if I have anything that's like uncomfortable or scary, it's pretty much always involving me being on in heights, like a height on a cliff or can't get down a ladder or whatever. Right. So that might be a significant, uh, you know, it might be telling me on some level, I'm afraid of taking a risk or I'm right. Like, is that kind of where you're going with this? Yeah. The dream, the way that I like to talk about it is that I think that the dream source is interacting with you directly. So it's creating these dreams for you every night to give you a message and to get you to, to shift something or become aware of something. And I call it a dream dictionary. It's building a dream dictionary, a vocabulary yeah. between you and your source. It's going to be specific to you. So when yeah. I would have a dream about being in a car and I'd be pressing on the brake and the car wouldn't stop, as soon as I wake up from that dream, which I've had repetitively, I know I'm caught in doing an activity and I need to slow down. I need to stop. And I'm in you know, somewhat of an addictive pattern of doing stuff. Right. And, I, and I'm not recognizing I'm in that pattern. So the dream comes and as soon as I have the dream, I know, oh, I, they're telling me, stop. I got to slow down. Yes. So just to touch on your dream for a moment, what, that, what might be worth considering with that can I, can I offer a, sure. a possible? Yeah. Okay. So sometimes what that indicates is, is coming up is a way of coping by coming into the head. So thinking about oh. something. And so the coming down is having to learn how to come back into the body. And so usually it's around grounding or that kind of descent, like from up here above the head, like down into the physical form. That's interesting. When you said that I got goosebumps, I, ha I can tell you that I have very limited um, experiences with feeling in my actual body, if that makes sense. I That's exactly when, what it, yeah. Yes. I remember I yeah. went to a yoga, I was in a yoga class one day and the, and the teacher's like, you know, um, feet, ground your feet. And I'm like, I can't feel my feet. 
you know, which sounds ridiculous. And she goes, lift your toes. And that really helped me a lot. But there are times in my life and not many where I have felt actually in my body on the ground. I felt my height. But aside from that, I do feel like I'm (laughs) constantly hovering above. And so your dreams are trying to encourage you to make that shift. So I call what I do embodied dream work for exactly this reason. So what we do is when we get, like, if you came to me with that dream, what we would do is we would go into the body and we say, we close our eyes in the session and we say, where does that feeling sensation that's associated with the dream live in your body and so I typically use the chakras and start with the lower chakras and we move up the chakras so let's just say your dream high up like you're you're you're, you need to get down you need to climb down and the stairs are rickety or the stairs are too far apart or something and you're afraid you're afraid you're going to fall so what is if where does that what is the feeling associated with that do you know? Right. Oh, for me, it would be anxiety for sure in my solar plexus. So, so what we would do is we go to the solar plexus. This is interesting because it ties back to it. We are become the witness. That's all we do is we become the witness yes. to the sensation. And that's how you transform consciousness. So yes. the dream is coming and it's saying where it's saying it's trying to release the feeling. So Beyond that, what has happened is probably that was a coping mechanism developed in childhood as a way to deal with some kind of difficult situation. Right. And so, so as I was saying earlier too, that we become uncomfortable with dealing with emotion where we're never really taught how to do that. And so as part of dream work, that's what I do is I take people in and show them all we have to do is witness the sensation in the body. Yeah. So what happens is, the dream comes, so you'll have patterns that were developed in childhood that you will see throughout your entire lifetime. So you'll have a pattern, let's say something happens in childhood. Let's say your father is pushing you on the swing. He says, okay, jump, I'm going to catch you. And he, you accidentally slip out of his hand and you fall to the ground. So what will happen is that creates the pattern. So going back to your um, friend who is the, the author, who said, right, we, we have these things that we're clearing. Yeah. So you get the pattern. You'll see the patterns repeating throughout your whole life, whether it's with your boss, whether it's with your partner, whether it's with your mother, your anybody. It will keep repeating. And the dream comes, and it says symbolically, okay, come down into this and feel this. So it will depict it symbolically. And then because I understand symbolism, I can, I can find the patterns. So I would say, okay, can you tell me a situation, earliest memory you have of when um, you expected someone to be there for you, but they weren't. And then you would say, oh my God, my dad, and when I was a little girl and he did this and he missed me and I did, he didn't catch me. And so I would say, okay, where do you feel that in your body? And we would go into it together. Right. Fascinating. we're, We're connected. So I can feel what you have going on. So we do it together we go into the body and we witness the sensation until it evolves. That releases the energy from your body. So the energy and memory is stored in your physical form. And so by witnessing it, it releases the energy. It releases the pattern, so you don't have to live in a pattern anymore. 
Right. Okay. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So like just, you know, full, dis- full disclosure, I guess. So I remember one, my, one of my earliest memories ever, I must've been probably three was I was left in a car and like someone needed to run in and grab something. So I was just, you know, strapped in the car and I didn't want to be left in there and the car rolled back a little bit. And I, so that, that actually came to me when you were talking about that, because I think that probably would have been an experience of feeling powerless and trapped and unable to, anyway, I don't know if that signet that, you know, is part of it, but that was kind of what I, what I thought of when you said that. So what happens is sometimes these experiences were, were, um, experienced and there was no one there to validate the feeling or the emotion, or it could be like your parents came out in a panic and, and like, oh my God, and they grabbed you and know you're okay. But, but your experience wasn't like processed in the moment. Right. So it so becomes something. It. Yeah. So you become like you, you really like freedom. It really matters to you to be free and to not have like limitations. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. One thing I will say to our listener at home, though, is that we do have a really powerful episode um, through the afterlight, which is all about feeling and processing emotions with Pauline Pollard. So I'll put a link to that. And then obviously, Pamela, you clearly showcase the fact that you do this kind of work as well. And I'll put a link to the show notes in the show notes to your stuff, because that was really, really cool. The other thing that I just want to bring up about what you just brought up is, is, witnessing the emotion without feeling the emotion because I understand what you mean by that and what you mean by that is you are not the emotion because that's the problem isn't it that's why people don't want to heal that's why people don't want to go through all this stuff is because they think that's who they are instead of realizing that oh yeah interesting I've got anxiety right now okay I'm just going to breathe that in and let that go instead we think oh I am I am anxious. I am. Is that correct? And that's something I'm still working through myself, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I find going into the sensation is is an easier way to abstract because we get caught. If we get caught in the emotion, then people can go into their story. They can go, I got, you know, like I'll keep having to pull them out of the story and back into the body. Okay. Right. Here we are again in the story, but no, like where's the feeling? And, And so, what you'll notice is that, you know, people sometimes come into the story as a way to get out of the feeling and to avoid it. So I say lots of times, what is the sensation? So like you mentioned, the solar plexus is where you feel it, but what does it actually look like? Like, what does it feel like? Is it like hard or is it soft? Is it big or is it small? Is it like a tingly sensation or is it you know, if you really like, oh, even because then you're honing in on the feeling instead of what caused it or the, yeah, I see you're really having to observe the feeling. It's almost like you're narrowing down and you've got a microscope and you're looking deep into it to really fully feel it. Oh, that's cool. So you, and so you can do it like with anxiety or whatever. So lots of times I think anxiety may be in the chest, right? So you would be bring your full awareness to the chest. And what we do is it, the way that we work with it is not about changing it. It's not about um, turning it, sending it like sparkles and turning it into butterflies and watching it flow, fly away. You know, it's, it's really about being there for it. And the way that I describe it is it's like you're 
going into your inner child. And this is your inner child and really their feeling that you're right. still feeling. And so it's like you go to your inner child, your inner child is anxious. And so if your child is anxious, you're not going to say, okay, come on, hurry up, turn it into butterflies and sparkles and let it kind of float away. Yeah. You're going to say, I see you. I hear you. You're feeling anxious and I'm going to sit with you and I'm going to just be with you and allow the anxiety to be there. And so you become aware of like, okay, so how wide is it? What does it look like? What does it seem like? And you just allow it and accept it. So that's what was, it didn't happen in childhood was that someone wasn't sitting with you as you processed what you right. were feeling or mirrored it or witnessed it. Wow, that's fascinating. So would you recommend that people essentially start writing down their dreams to help them remember? And then is that kind of, you know, I guess I'm, I'm for our listener at home, especially, you know, what if they feel like, yeah, but do I really need to do that? I mean, I guess it's about self-development. Do you want to improve? Do you want to work through this stuff or not? Is that right? You know, so one of the interesting things is I think because I didn't walk into dreams with um, any kind of dogma, so I didn't kind of walk into it and say, this is who I am. I'm a Freudian or I'm a Jungian or anything like that. I just went in with an open mind and said, what are they and what are they showing me? So over right. the course of these years that I've worked with them and worked with other people, the breadth of information that you are getting every single night is astonishing. It is telling you about your diet. They told me I was vegetarian. They told me to become vegan. They told me not to eat eggs that weren't free range. They told me to take herbs. They tell me what supplements to take. They tell me everything about exercise. They tell me about my relationships. They prepare me for what's going to happen. They prepare me for my dog who is going to die. They prepared me for my grandmother who is going to die. They were preparing her for the fact that she was going to die. So we yeah. had dialogues about it. So ancestors have come back in my dreams and have been obviously helping me to resolve issues and things. And then the dreams end up in life and things happen in life that are out of the dreams and it's <laughs> all interconnected, but you get so much personal information about you in your life, in your development on every single level, past lives, your career, your relationships, your children, your everything your dogs, your pets, your, yeah. Wow. So I guess when you were talking there, I was just thinking to myself about someone who's listening, who's going, yeah, but I don't remember my dreams. So would you think a good way to get started is if the only thing you remember is there was a tree that you just write that down, there was a tree. And then eventually over time that your recall will, will grow. I mean, is it about intention? Yeah. So that's typically what we suggest is to, to write them down, write anything, even if it's a feeling or if it's a sensation, I woke up and my stomach was bothering me, a headache, whatever. You write down anything that you get. Before you go to sleep at night, you just say, I'm going to remember my dreams when I wake up in the morning and I'm going to write them down. And you just have a something beside your bed to record, whether it's a pad or a recording device or whatever. And then the other thing that I recommend is so whatever your morning routine is, like if you get up in the morning and I personally get up in the morning and I take a shower. And so when I'm in the shower, my thought, I pay attention to what I'm thinking. 
my thoughts are connected to my dreams. So when I do oh. remember my dream, I, there's a real life later. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I was thinking about that in the shower and now I'm working on the dream and that's all connected. So if you, do, if you don't remember the dream, if you just say like, okay, what, what's coming to mind as I begin my daily routine, whatever it is, making your coffee, having your coffee, just paying attention to that. And then the other thing is too that like I recently started doing couples dream work. So you could even use it in a relationship as a way to deepen your relationship, learn how to witness each other's emotions. And then if you have something like that and you're dreaming with your family or your partner, then getting up in the morning and just saying, hey, did you dream last night? What did you dream? Right. Oh, I love that. It's so cool. One thing I will tell you as well, Pamela, is that I've been taking fish oil for the last year and a half or something. And since then, my I dream like almost every night. I don't always remember it because I don't write it down, but I know that I do. And fish oil for me has been a significant enhancement. Have you ever heard of that happening? I heard somebody told me about a vitamin B. I don't know which one it was, but the, yeah. they were, they, they'd heard the vitamin B will do that as well. But I, like I said, I don't remember which one it yeah. was. Well, that really helped. But, me. So it's entirely possible. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about, um, this is, I'm just going to bring it up one more time and then we'll move along. But in um, Robert Schwartz's books, he does talk about, um, basically he, he has a medium, right? And she, they, they channel souls and stuff like that and spirit guides and they talk, they basically witness your soul's plan, like you making the decisions. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because sometimes people who are here on earth like us, their soul actually is in the meeting when that person is sleeping. I thought that was really cool because it's basically talking about that our soul leaves our body and goes and does work elsewhere. So can you talk to me a little bit about, you know, maybe your experiences with connecting with people who have passed before? Um, I know that, you know, you were talking a lot about healing that you can get from dreams. So do you think that that happens when we go to these other areas or other realms? Do we, do you think we even leave our body? I mean, yeah. Thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's like 20 ways I could go with that. Oh, sorry. Um, that's a big question. <laughs> that's okay. In terms of, of dealing with people outside, I know I went to visit my grandmother who did eventually pass away. And I, when I, in the dream, I landed on her bed and I rumpled it because I knew that she would realize later I had been there because she would have, I came out and then I came out of her bedroom and she was in the living room and my sense of it was that it wasn't like she could see me but that she would know like have the feeling like I was there and then she would walk back into her bedroom and see that the the bedding was rumpled and know that in fact she was right that I had been there so right. I definitely see that it, it seems to me like you do go to other realms uh, when you're sleeping and you know most of us have had experiences where you know you're flying outside of your body and yeah. that happened once and I was like oh my god am I going to be able to get back in and so I turned around and came right back and went in so <laughs> right so so that it does I definitely believe that there is a component of that and then when my grandmother died also the first dream she came and um, I was laying sitting on the bed again laying on a bed and she's sitting on the edge of it. And I said, um, I said, Oh, I miss you. And she said, why? And I said, well, you know, cause you're gone. 
And she said, gone where? And I said, wow. you know, gone. And, and she said, I haven't gone anywhere. I'm right here. And I was like, yeah, but not really. And she stuck her hand out and she said, feel me. And I reached out and touched her hand and I was like, oh, cause it was solid. And I just read the other day, um, Thich Nhat Hanh, and he said a very similar thing with his own mother, that he was grieving her loss and then realized like she isn't gone anywhere. She's with him. So I think it, to some degree, I kind of don't like try to understand everything because yeah, well, I think you can't. You're I don't a human. Really yeah, you have a human mind. I mean, even though we know, I mean, and I think that's part of the frustrating parts, honestly, is that sometimes we know better. Like, why am I getting so wrapped up in this, or why can't I understand? You know, and um, some things you don't need to. It just is magical. Okay, <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. I had one too with my great grandmother and she wanted to give me an origami bird in the dream. So when I came out of the dream, I'm asking everybody in my family, like, Oh, did grandma, great grandma have origami birds? Like she wants me to have it. Like if anybody knows. Yeah. This. And they're all like, no, no, we don't know anything about it. And I was like, okay. And then I was in California at the Chopra center and we did this, this, we had this one um, experience where we were dancing to these drummers and stuff. And, so we dance around and we come back and we sit in the, in our seats. And I had decided like, like that I was going to just like, let it go and just let myself be really free. And I did. And I really let myself just crazy dance. And uh, I sit down and this old guy comes and sits down beside me and he goes, well, what just happened? And I said, well, we were, you know, dancing to these drummers. And he said, oh, I left as soon as the music started. And I said, oh, and he said, and I have something for you. And he reached in his pocket oh. and he pulled out an origami bird and he, the wing, little wings just flapped up and down. I was like, oh, my grandmother. Yeah. Well, how, how did he react? Did you explain the significance of that? Or it no. just you just allowed it to be, wow. Yeah. It's so cool. I think that, you know, what I'm getting out of this conversation is that, well, obviously a lot, but, you know, the more that we can get to know our dreams, the more that we can understand the personal messages for us, the greater we can work through the things that we need to work on and get through them so we can get onto the other stuff that's more fun. Right. Cause if we're, if we're being held back in some way, you know, like for me, I get anxiety quite a bit. So for me, it would, it would be significant for me to be able to feel that process, that emotion get it free and then move along with my day, <laughs> like with my life basically. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and the other thing is too, um, in terms of like anxiety is that it can often be an indication that something is not in alignment. Mm. So, so it would be interesting to see, is there a particular trigger like for me and I don't really get anxiety, but I did develop anxiety when I was going to grad school for counseling psychology. And I did not like it. I didn't like counseling psychology. I didn't want to put labels on people. Right. It just never felt right to me. And that is when I had anxiety. It was when I kept going, even though it just didn't feel right for me. And my friends right. were like, oh, just stay with it. Just get the degree. Then you can do whatever you want. And yeah. something inside of me was just like, no. And so, you know, I think too that those kinds of things, the anxiety, 
we don't always see it as as information about mm. telling us something. So the anxiety wants your attention. It's getting mm. you to stop. Like why? What is it trying? What does it? What does your soul want to do? Is it out of alignment in some way? Yeah. For me, I know that um, if I have a future thinking thought, whatever that it may be, that's what normally causes my anxiety because I'm not where I am, if that makes sense. So that's yeah. an interesting observation. I like that you've brought that up because, yeah, so because I know that a lot of people, like it's a very common thing that a lot of people struggle with that. But if they're paying attention to, you know, the, the symbolism or like, you know, what it's triggering, what it's telling you, that's so significant, isn't it? Even with making decisions, if I imagine making that decision, am I getting anxiety? If I imagine making that decision, am I feeling light as a bird, right? So looking yeah. at those. So, you know, with, there are books that have dream meanings and things like that. Would you say that it's really actually more important that you get to know your own significant meaning? I mean, you picked up on some things from me, from what I told you. So would I have been able to find a similar response potentially in a dream dictionary or do you recommend people make their own? So sometimes because we're not really used to thinking symbolically. So sometimes you can get started with a, a dream book. And right. like, like if you look at like Teddy Andrews and he does the spirit animals and the totem animals and, and that kind of thing, he, that's a great way to look at the symbolism of animals because a lot of us will have things in dreams that we really don't have any kind of associations with. It may be something that you're just not familiar with. So sometimes that can definitely add another layer, another letter, level of component to it and information. But ideally what we want to do is look at our own experience of it. So your dream, just like teeth falling out, is a common dream. So it's, it's uh, you know, because I've worked with so many, I can sometimes generalize and have an idea right. of possibly what it means. But ideally, the more that you work with them, you can just, you can speak. So you speak to the dream, you can speak to the dream source, like it's a person. You could say, you know, I need to know more about this situation, or you gave me this dream and I don't understand what it means. Give it to me another way that I will understand. Right. So, so you want to have that, you're going to, there's going to be this dialogue. We don't always see it that way, but it really is. They're trying to get your attention because they want to interact with you, right? They want yeah, to help you. Yeah. They want to guide you. Yeah. And that comes back to what you were saying before, where you go, I'm setting the intention before I go to bed. I'm going to remember my dream. And I read the book, The Power of the Subconscious Mind, such a fabulous read. And it was, um, you know, there, the author, Joseph Murphy, was talking about, you need to give your subconscious things to do. So, you know, ask it to work out something for you in your dream or ask it. So, and maybe he was, he's talking about spirit, but he, he, you know, framed it in the subconscious way. So I guess it's whatever you, however you look at it, but essentially you're setting an intention for what you need to get out of, out of your dream, right? You can, it's, it's one thing you can do. I'm more than being directive. I'm more receptive. That's just how I, the, the stance I have taken. And because, because I'm blown away on a regular basis by the information that they give me. They're just like one dream I had that was um, a, a big 
map on the floor and on the on the ground and I was all excited because I'm like oh this is my home state and this is where I was born and right here and all I don't know why I was so excited about but apparently I was <laughs> and so I'm all excited so then I, he's like okay yeah so I walk away and this other guy comes up to me and he has a he has a um eclipse a solar eclipse in his hand and he throws it at me and it goes right into my third eye wow and I'm like Whoa. So I wasn't born in a state in the United States. I was born when the solar eclipse happened. And so it was not literally, but so the sun rep represents spirit and the soul represents the moon. So when those two things come together, spirit and the soul, a soul is born. Wow, that's beautiful. Think spirit, spirit is inspire. So it was like, wow, yeah. So the story is born when you incarnate, but we are born when the soul and spirit come together. And 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 then subsequently with other dreams, I I dreamt about the solar eclipse on the back of the the um, Bindu chakra, and. It was like all about rebirth. And I was like, wow, like, oh my God, like, that's crazy. That's so cool. It's no wonder you're a poet. Like when you're talking about these things, you know, the visions that you get or the scenes or the, you know what I mean? The feelings and stuff like that. It's, it's wonderful that you're able to express yourself through poetry, I think, to make sense of some of that because you can tell there's like amazing stories to be found within those, within, you know, those experiences the poetry is channeled actually it, okay. their messages it's all messages from the other realm it's just it's phenomenal stuff it just it I I love it it's it's insanely good do you meditate and then get these messages or do you you get them from your dream and you wake up and write them down not even the dreams no I just I'll just get like sometimes it, it's like the a phrase will kind of start in my head and then it sometimes it I, sometimes it takes me a while to catch on, and I'm like, oh yeah, like so I'll sit down and just pick up a pen, and I'll just go boom, 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 right. boom, and the poem's done. I remember Wayne Dyer. I was listening to him one time talk, and he was saying that you know if you wake up at three in the morning, that there's work for you to do, and you should get up and get a pen, or you know, and start writing, and and uh, yeah, that there's like things for you to figure out. And I wonder in a way if. You know, if we all did that every time we woke up, we wrote down our, you know, the different messages we were getting. And even if you go back to bed, then at least they're there to recall. And yeah, because really, these are opportunities for us to be channeled where we're not so full of, you know, trying to figure out what we're doing later, or what I'm having for dinner, or who said what to me or what, where I'm going, right? Where you're in this flow sense of, of clarity. And that's what it sounds like you get into when you're also writing your poetry. It's, it's fascinating because it's, it's basically spiritual poetry and it's, it's um, evolving now to be more about the divine feminine, which is the work that I predominantly do. Yeah. Okay. And, and um, it's, it's fascinating because it's spiritual. So it's like, it talks about where I am. It talks about where I'm going. It taught and, and other people, you know, pick up the same thing from it. So it evolves over time like dreams do. So if you have significant dreams, and you work with them and then you can 
I have dreams that I've been working with for years and years and years because sometimes it takes years to embody the teaching that's contained in the dream. Right, right. Or to be able to put it into practice. Is that kind of what you mean? Well, so let's just say you have a big dream and it's giving you a vision about yeah. where you're going. Yeah. And then it may take it may take time. So what they'll subsequently yeah. do is the dreams will say, okay, now let's work on this and now let's work on this and now let's work on right. this. You're taking steps. you taking you there. And that's one of the benefits of understanding what your dreams are telling you is that it's essentially going, you know, hey Pam, hey Lauren, here here's your path, girls. Follow it and you'll get to where you need to go. Whereas if we're not paying attention to the signs and the symbols and the, the things that, you know, our, the messages, our heart whispers and the feelings that our body's giving us, we could go off track where things aren't flowing in the same way. Yeah, it's all, and it's, you, what you learn too is the seamlessness of the reality. You know, we have this idea that, that we're in the body, that, that, but in fact, you know, your aura, which is the soul, is outside of the body. And, you know, we are right. connected and picking up other things from other people. Wow. Fascinating. You know, we're already at our hour, Pam. <laughs> I'm sure oh, well. this happens all the time. <laughs> pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, it did. It went so quick. I feel like we just scratched the surface. So I would really love to have you back on the show maybe in the next, you know, six months or something like that. If you would be open to that, we can I take would love that. Okay, yeah. wonderful. We can take a different direction or we can, you know, talk a little bit more about this subject as well. Uh, I understand that you also have a freebie for our listeners at home, which I can put a link to that. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, I put together a little uh, dream guide and template. So to get started, it kind of gives you tips on like remembering the way we talked about what to write down. If you're going to do one thing with your dreams, you should probably just work on the emotional aspect of it because that's what usually gets you. Oh, if you, you can't get the to feeling. the meaning. Yeah, okay. If you can't get to the meaning of it, you can at least access the emotion and transform it that way. So you're still working with it. And mm -hmm. I did a little template that shows like it's just the way that I do it, what I write down and, and prompts to try and help you remember and stuff like that. So they can email me at Pamela at Wisdom of the Swan. That's my website. And uh, I'd be happy to send it out. Wonderful. Well, I'll definitely be getting a copy of that myself because it sounds great. And you've definitely showcased a lot of the benefits with, you know, understanding your dreams are essentially to help you live your best life here. And, you know, if you if you're listening to this podcast, you probably believe in all this stuff. So it's the way that spirit is connecting with your soul to say, Hey, you know, this is how we're going to guide you along because you know, you want to do the work now so you don't have to come back. And I think sometimes I can say for me, um, my experience is that I think there's probably fear in doing the work, but you know, doing it yeah. in maybe your dream state is a little bit more safe. You know, your dreams only give you what you can handle. That's the way, so that's yeah. what, one of the reasons I love working with people with through dreams. So I try not to work with people unless they bring their dreams because I say, you know, this is getting us, you know, down into what's underneath it and what's what's really going on. Yeah. And it takes us in a way that you're ready for it in the way that you can handle. But I don't, don't want to imply that dreams are necessarily only for inner work because they're also putting you on your soul's path. And so, yeah. you know, we're all as a collective evolving. 
and we all have a part to play in the evolution of consciousness that's happening right now. And so the dreams will help you align to whatever it is that you need to be here and what you need to be giving, and they'll help prepare you for that gift and what you're here to share. I mean, it's just, again, it just, you know, I didn't have any talent. And then I discover I'm an artist in my dreams because I'm dreaming of art classes and they start going to classes and they're like, you're gifted. I was like, what? I mean, I can't even draw. What do you mean I'm gifted? Wow. So, so they're taking, they're taking us by the hand because they want us all to work together towards creating this new earth that, you know, Eckhart Tolle talks about. Yeah. So they're preparing us and helping us every night. In addition to everything that happens in your life, it's one seamless reality. You yeah. can look at, if you can't remember your dreams, you can look at the events in your life like a dream and you can work with them in exactly the same way. That's so well put and that's so well said. And yeah, I love that. And I love, you know, just coming back to the thing as well, which is that, you know, your dreams are for you. That's what you were talking about at the beginning. They're, they're for you. They're not for anyone else. They're for you. And so it's like, you know, your own little secret recipe. It's your own private world. It's your own relationship with yourself. And we need you. Yeah. We need everybody. We need everybody to get on board and we need to turn the ship around and like, yeah, yeah, we can do this together. And I mean, nothing will give you hope more and make you believe that all things are possible than seeing what your dreams have in store for you. That's a perfect way to end. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Pamela. I will leave all your links um, that you've given me in the show notes as well so our listeners at home can connect with you. And also, I look forward to having you back on the show because I know we'll have a great conversation whatever direction we choose to go in. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having Hi. me. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.